Welcome to the Stuttgart Missional Community Church Sermon Podcast. SMCC is a multicultural church serving the English-speaking community in Stuttgart, Germany. For more information or to contact us, visit us on the web at smcchurch.net. That's smcchurch.net. So Matt, just to give a little summary, Matt brought us through, uh, talked about Deborah and Barack and Jayal last week. You know, Deborah and Jayal seemed, you know, as he put it, were bosses, right? You know, Deborah told Barack you needed to go out and, and face the Canaanites, and he's like, well, only if you come with me. You know, he was like, eh, you know, um, not really sure about this. We only have this many troops, and he's like, if you come with me, I'll go. And Deborah's like, all right, let's go, right? Great woman behind a guy, always, right? <laughs> so, and at the end, as Sisera was heading out and running away, he runs into jail, who then proceeds to put a spike through his head. Yeah, we, uh, Old Testament's got some pretty, uh, you know, interesting stories in it, to say the least. But uh, that was one that um, God had told Barak, if you're not going to step up, I'm going to deliver him through a woman. And he did. You know, she, he thought, Sisera thought he was safe, and he wasn't. So next thing you know, we had 40 years of peace under Deborah, and now the Israelites are back to their old ways. It's just like, they're not really swift on the uptake. You know, they, they do what God says, he blesses them, blesses them, and then, then they start kind of wandering away again, and now the Midianites have them held up in the mountains. They've had seven years of oppression. They're, you know, they're wondering what the heck happened, and so now comes along Gideon, their next judge. So, you know, again, not... You know, he's, we'll get to him here, and it's like, God's like, why don't you just do what I tell you to do, and you'll be good. And the Israelites are like, yeah, we're going to do what we want to do. So Baal's back, you know, they're building altars to Baal. And so we get to Gideon. And uh, so, but we're talking this week. So God's going to work through the week. You know, he wants our strength to be his strength, not our strength per se. We use our strength all the time to try to get through things. And I don't know about you guys, it doesn't always work out for me. You know, uh, you know we all want to be a little stubborn. We want to believe that we're going to take care of it. And if we just give it to God, he's going to take care of it. So this is, this is what the, the theme for this week's going to be is like, God's going to work through a weaker person to bring glory to himself. So, so we got Judges uh, 6, 11. So now the angel of the Lord came and sat under Terabith at Ophrah, which belonged to Joaz the Abazrite, while his son Gideon was beating out wheat in the winepress to hide it from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, the Lord is with you, O mighty man of valor. And some translations will be mighty warrior, you know, but eh, is uh, Gideon really mighty man of valor at this point? We, he hasn't been built up yet. He's hiding out in a wine press, you know. Usually when they're threshing wheat, you know, it's out in the open so the wind can pick up the chaff, and, but he's hiding. He's like, I don't, I don't want it, because the Midnights have been coming through like a swarm of locusts and taking everything. So he's hiding right now. 
And Gideon said to him, Please, sir, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? And where are the wonderful deeds that our fathers recounted to us, saying, Did not the Lord bring us from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and given us into the hands of Midian. And the Lord turned to him and said, Go in this mighty might of yours and save Israel from the land of Midian. Do I not send you? And he said to him, Please, Lord, how can I save Israel? Behold, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. And the Lord said to him, But I will be with you, and you shall strike the Midianites as one man. So as I just said, he wasn't being really, you know, man of valor at this point. In fact, you know, when the, the messenger of the Lord first came in and said, you know, I am the messenger of the Lord, he's like, kind of got lippy. You know, hey, where have you been for the last seven years almost? You know, you, we've been hiding out in the mountains. You know, we hear all these stories from our forefathers about he saved us, you know, they, they saved us from Egypt and all these, you know, we just watched Deborah, you know, bring 40 years of peace. And now Gideon's like, well, where have you been? It's like, well, you know, you guys haven't really been holding up your end of the bargain, right? You know, the, the Israelites haven't been really doing their part to, to, you know, bring on God's blessings. So, but as we look at this, you know, he's, God's saying to him, I'm going to send you, I'm here for you, I'm going to take care of it, but I need you just to believe. I need you to, to take it in and believe that I'm going to do it for you because I'm going to strike this one, Midianites down as one man. You know, it's, God is there for him, and he's just still not kind of getting it. So over the next few verses, we're not going to delve too much into before the next uh, verse of scripture we're going to talk about, but God has put some tests for him to let him know that he is God and that he is with him. You know, at first Gideon's like, well, if you are, Lord, please wait. I'm going to go prepare a meal, bring it out to you, and and we can, you can show me that, you know, we can talk. When he brings it out, the the messenger of the Lord has it burst into flame and then just disappears. So right there, you know, you think, it's probably the messenger from God, right? You know, it's... uh, you know, not everybody can do that. Um, and then God commands him to tear down his father's altar to Baal and build an, off, off, yeah, an altar to the Lord. And when he does this and the, the people start rebelling against it, his father actually steps in and says, well, you know, Baal can defend himself if he's really a god. So... What did Gideon really do other than to remind us that God is here with us? And then he also then has Gideon rallying the troops, getting ready for the, to fight the Midianites. But he's still, he's still not there. He's, he doesn't have that confidence yet. And I think we're all there when God keeps putting messages in our lives and things in our lives as we move along that we don't, you know, we, we have that doubt and that's what the whole thing with Gideon is, is his doubt is really strong. He doesn't, he doesn't see himself as God's warrior yet. And we've all kind of, I think, been there, you know, especially a lot of us here in the military. And we're used to, you know, being strong and following orders and things like that, that, you know, on our own, maybe we just don't feel we have that, that confidence if we don't have those marching orders and, and then but God's giving him those marching orders he's saying look I, I got you I'm going to be there for you so 
but you know, as on the so on the outside, we're looking at Gideon. Like most of us, he's fragile. He's a human being. Doesn't have a lot of confidence. But when we go to Corinthians, 2 Corinthians four seven, you know. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that surpassing power belongs to God, and not to us. All right. So, as we know, you know, going through the Bible, especially in New Testament, all these important things were held in clay jars. The Dead Sea Scrolls were found in clay jars. They're not, some of them might be a little elaborate. Some of them might be very, very plain, but they're all fragile. They all can be broken. So that's what God sees on the inside. And that's why those valuables were held in those clay jars. So, because sometimes it was to say, you know, it's just a clay jar. Maybe nothing's valuable in it, and whoever's looting or, you know, pillaging is going to pass right by it. So, but God sees what's on the inside, and he's still, he's still working with Gideon. You know, Gideon is still, you know, he, like I said, he's rallied the troops, he's destroyed Baal's temple, uh, altar, and he's still just, he's not there. He's not getting it, right? So, I'm going to go to, um, yeah. Sorry, I feel like I'm in my first Intel brief, or my cards went everywhere. <laughs> so we go to Judges 6, 36 to 40. Then God, Gideon said to God, if you will save Israel by my hand, as you've said, behold, I am laying a fleece of wool on the threshing floor. If there is dew on the fleece alone, and it is dry on all the ground, then I shall know that you will save Israel by my hand as you have said. And it was so. When he rose early the next morning and squeezed the fleece, he wrung enough dew from the fleece to fill a bowl of water. Then Gideon said to God, let not your anger burn against me. Let me speak just once more. Please let me test just once more with the fleece. Please let it be dry on the fleece only, and on the ground let there be dew. And the God did so that night. And it was dry on the fleece only, and on the ground there was dew. So, I mean, logically you could think, or Gideon might have thought, well, if the fleece is wet, it just soaked up all the dew, right? It just soaked up all the moisture from the ground, and that's why it was, it wasn't really God. It wasn't really God who did it. You know, he still has that doubt. So he's like, oh, God, you know, I'm going to, I want to ask something else. Hey, let's do it the opposite way. That way I know that if the ground is wet and the fleece is dry, then, you know, I know it's you. Well, you know, if, if it was anybody other than him asking God, God obviously is very patient with us. Would we be as patient with Gideon as human beings? You know, we, we have that, that, man, I just showed you. <laughs> why, why aren't you getting this? But God, God, again, showing his patience for... Gideon, he, he's already started to build him up with giving him these little tasks along the way. Gideon's still doubting. So, you know, his anxiety is choking out his faith because he still doesn't believe in himself. You know, God believes in us even when we don't believe in ourselves, right? You know, he's, we, however, we're human beings. We're going to have that doubt in us as we move along. So as we go along, it's like we think about the fleeces we may have laid out. And I, I had a kind of big one. Um, when, uh, if you don't know the story of how I met Danica, we met at SMCC. Um, we were doing, <laughs> yeah, amen, right? So, um, 
we met during the meet and greet. You know, I turned to her and she was wearing yoga pants and a Virginia Tech t-shirt. Just got done cooking all day on Sunday because that was her thing. And uh, she's like, who is this guy talking to me? And uh, it wasn't love at first sight. It wasn't. Yeah. Um, so I just kind of turned back. And, but uh, as we got to know each other and became friends, and so my fleece was, you know, because God was telling me she was the one. And I'm like, oh, no, she's not. And it was because it was nothing about Danica. It was about me. I had been divorced. I had a failed marriage. A lot of relationships up to that point that didn't work out. And my doubt was, is that I didn't want to hurt her. I didn't want to, I kept laying out that fleece to God to say, are you really sure? Because I didn't want to hurt her knowing of my past. So, you know, we all have a fleece we've probably laid out along the way, or maybe many, you know, so looking back and looking at Gideon, I kind of relate to that to say, yeah, I've been there. You know, I think we've all been there at some point, right? Um, but, you know, how many fleeces can we lay out? And I think, you know, with God, he's, he's going to keep going. He's going to keep trying us. And he's going to keep forgiving us. And he's going to keep his patience because he's God. You know, not that we should keep laying out fleeces. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. We got, we got, at some point, we've got to say yes, God, and, and accept what he's trying to get us to do. But we can't. You know, we, we have to know that, yeah, we're human beings and we're going to lay out a fleece or two probably along the way. So, you know, um, R.C. Sprawl says, Long-suffering, forbearing patience is to be the Christian's reflection of the character of God. As part of God's character to show, ang- to be slow to anger and quick to be merciful, right? He's always going to be there and... Uh, Okay, I might be moving a little too fast. <laughs> I look at the timer. <laughs> so again, going back to having flashbacks, my first Intel brief where I had like this many cards and then they went flying and things went very badly <laughs> after that. But uh, so but one of the simplest definitions of grace is an undeserved gift. God is always going to give us grace. But we have to ask for it too, right? We have to know that we need it. We can't just, you know, just go along and not say to God, hey, I know I'm screwing up. I know I've been laying out a bunch of fleeces to you, and I need, I need your forgiveness. I need your grace. So we have to do our part, like with Gideon. Gideon was like, he's like, not, still not sure, God. Come on, give me something else. So, but we have to take that and relate it to ourselves and say, yeah, I've been where Gideon's at. I know. So, as a good father, he lovingly and patiently meets his children where they're at. Because there's no way we can ever meet God where he's at. We can't fathom that, can we? So, we have to, we have to just ask God to say, hey, you know, give us your grace, please. But I don't think anybody here, as we uh, move on to our next point, that none of us really worry about having too much money or too much time, right? So here we got Gideon. He's got a rebel army. He's rallied up to 32,000 troops. 
still not anywhere near what the Midianites have, right? They're, they're looking at about 120,000. So, and God is going to be telling him, look, this is my victory. I want you to do this so I can have the victory and not boast in, in the Israelites taking the victory. So, as we go into this, the, the next scripture, you know, most of the guys in here and women are have some kind of affiliation with the military, be it you retired from the military, you work for the military somewhere along the line, you've served, and you know that if you're, if you're on an operation out in the desert or wherever it is over the last, we've, we've been at war for the last 20 years just about, that if you already know that you're short on troops, right? You know that the force you're facing is bigger than yours. And then your commanding officer comes in and says, well, the commander has decided that instead of the, these, this many troops, we're gonna go down to this many. And the first probably thought in your head is the old man is crazy. You know, we are already shorthanded. We don't have the resources. We don't have the people. And he's telling us we were going to go out there with only this many. So, you know, I think we can all relate to that when we get those briefs. And that, not that I've ever seen it happen, thank goodness, I guess. But if we really were out there fighting for God and, and not just the United States or whoever we're fighting for, that, you know, would we have the same questions as Gideon? Probably. Right? We still are going to have that little bit of doubt. But as we get into Judges 7, 2 through 7, the Lord said to Gideon, The people with you are too many for me to give the Midianites into their hand, lest Israel boast over me, saying, My own hand has saved me. So as I was talking about it, it's like God is trying to get him to say, This is God's victory. It's not Israel's victory, it's God's victory. So. Now therefore proclaim in the ears of the people saying, whoever is fearful and trembling, let him return home and hurry away from Mount Gilead. Then 22,000 of the people returned and 10,000 remained. So now we just cut it down to a third, right? You know, we, we already know that the Midianites are at 120,000 roughly. We're down to 10,000 now. We know that God's like, Gideon, I got you. I got you. Don't worry about it. We're going to get there. And then he turns around and says, And the Lord said to Gideon, The people are still too many. Take them down to the water, and I will test them for you there. And anyone of whom I say to you, This one shall go with you, shall go with you. And anyone of whom I say to you, This one shall not go with you, shall not go. So now Gideon's probably sitting there thinking, God, I just got down to 10,000. How many more are you going to take away? You know, he's, again, we're still human. We're going to still question. And that's what he's doing. He's like, got to get there. But, you know, we gotta, he's got to take that leap of faith, right? He's, he's not a leaper. <laughs> As we see it, if you go back through and, and, like, all these little tests he's, God's given him, obviously Gideon is not one of the guys who leaps into faith. He, he needs those little bits of, you know, encouragement along the way. He needs to be tested a little bit, given some, you know, a little encouragement, little, here's, here's this next test, you did good, here's your next test, you'll do good. So, you know, now we're getting to the big test. So he brought the, the people down to the water, and the Lord said to Gideon, 
Everyone who laps the water with his tongue as a dog laps, you should sit by himself. Likewise, everyone who kneels down to drink, and then everyone who laps the water with his tongue as a dog laps shall sit, sit by himself. Likewise, everyone who kneels down to drink. And the number of those who lapped, putting their hands to their mouths, was 300 men. But all the rest of the people knelt down to drink water. And the Lord said to Gideon, With the 300 men who lapped, I will save you and give the Midianites into your hand, and let all others go away, go every way man to his home. So now we're down to 1% of the people that he had rallied. And now you're going to face 120,000. Now, I don't, this is where we kind of don't go into the next part, leaving that for Matt next week to give away the ending. But (laughs) I think if if we've all been, know what's going to happen. But, you know, you got to, again, you're standing in Gideon's shoes going, God, 300 against 120? Really? Come on. I mean, we already know this guy is not the most competent guy. He's hiding in the wine press. He's questioning God's commitment to the Israelites from the very beginning. Um, so now he's standing here with 300 guys. And, I mean, if that's not having faith in God at some point, I mean, then you're, you're on the wrong page. Because <laughs> God is going to be there for us no matter what. No matter how many fleeces we lay out, no matter how many doubts we have, and as we ask for God for his grace and his guidance, you know, he's going to give it. But we have to do our part, and Gideon has to do his part. So, you know, pride comes big into a lot of things, and that's what really holds off on God doing his work in us. You know, there's a thread through the Bible that, you know, we know that the things that we see as strength in the real world, or in the earthly world, not the real world, but the earthly world is not what God sees as strengths. You know, physical strength, we see the guys in the gym working out all the time. You know, mental acuity, getting degrees and things like that, being the smartest guy in the room, or smartest woman in the room. You know, those aren't things God takes into account when he chooses someone to do his work. You know, he chooses the person with the right heart. And even though Gideon doubts, he still has the right heart, as we'll find out later, is he does become a judge, and there is peace again. But, you know, as we we go through our day-to-day and we look at what God's trying to say to us, are we blocking that message with our pride and our strength and our stubbornness to say, no, God, I've got this. I've discussed this in, in our growth groups previously, and that, uh, you know, I, I had a, a woman DJ who was, uh, had a great heart for God, and she was always praying, and she was giving stuff to God, but she would say, you know, there's times that, you know, I give it to God, and things seem to be going well, and then I think, oh, God's got a lot on his plate. Maybe I need to take that back. And she goes, then I always screw it up. <laughs> So Matt and I have had this discussion. He said, well, you know, you've got to do your part, too. And I go, I understand that. I said, but sometimes our part is, I think, to give it to God and let him handle it. 
You know, I think we, we take that prideful view of, no, I've got this God, you know, I can handle it without you. But as Gideon has found out, you know, he, he can't do it. He didn't even believe he could do it. He always had that doubt. He couldn't, he couldn't grasp it for a very long time. You know, I'm, I'm talking about this for 30 or 40 minutes today, but as you go through Judges, you know, he's, he's just not, he's not getting it for a long time. And so, and I don't think with Gideon with so much pride in what he could do, he wasn't saying to God, I got it, I can do it, obviously not. He, he was doubting, he was doubting. But God is going to cut those numbers in us, cut those numbers down for us to show that he can handle it. We shouldn't be taking a prideful view or prideful stance and uh, using our strength because God is powerful and God can, can, can take care of it. You know, he's, you know, okay. So, so God just wanted Gideon to feel helpless so he could he could take on that victory. He could show Gideon that no matter how helpless he is, he, God can elevate him up to be a great hero. And that's what he needs to do with us. We, he, he wants us to feel helpless. He wants us to turn to him and say, God, I need you. I, can, I can't do this on my own. Right? He's like, we, we face these things all the time, be it a health crisis, financial crisis, job crisis. Heck, PCS season can be a crisis at times. <laughs> but as you, know, you wait on orders or you're waiting on travel or trying to figure out where you're going next. But you know, and I've seen it where we're trying to try to manipulate that situation, especially PCS situation where you know, the, you're talking to your detailer and you're like, well, I really want to go here. And the detailers are like, no, I, got, I only got this over here. You know, so maybe it's God saying, this is where I need you. you know, but we keep making those phone calls or we keep sending those emails to say, you know, I think it'd be better if I'm over here. So, um, but, so I think that's something that, you know, Gideon took one step at a time. You know, God put those little tests in front of him. You know, and that's all we ha- all we can do. We can take it one step at a time, one day at a time, as God just keeps laying these things out for us and where we need to go and what we need to do for Him. You know, can we take that one step, or do we feel like we have to take that leap, or we have to run straight at the wall? like we've been trained to do sometimes in the military. <laughs> you know, you've got to be the strongest out there. You've got to be the one, you know, army of one, right? You know, so, and so, you know, that message permeates that, you know, you got to be part of that team, part of that, you know, keep moving forward where sometimes we have to take that step back and say, God, really, what are you trying to tell me here? Are you, what's your message? What do you got for me? Um, you know, but as he took his army of 300, we know eventually that, you know, they are going to be successful. Uh, it's not a big secret what's coming up next, but, um, again, I'll leave that for Matt. (laughs) So, but, you know, as we look at Gideon's story and we go into the New Testament, there's somebody else who had kind of a, not a doubting 
part of it, but kind of a similar story. He was from a throwaway town in, in, uh, in, in Galilee. He wasn't, you know, a big name until he became about 30 years old, and that was Jesus. You know, he, his, his background growing up, you know, there was the, the time at the temple when he was a teenager, but there wasn't a lot before he started his ministry. And, you know, you know, people would look at him from where he was from and say, well, you know, you're, you're from the least, or, you know, least place here. Who are you to tell us what to do? And who are you to, you know, you know tell us about God? And he did it with 12 guys. He didn't even have the 300. He had 12. And, you know, and he changed the world, right? I mean, <laughs> you know, if there's anybody that, who did it, it would be him. Because he didn't, we didn't, he didn't rely on the people's power to get it done. He said that the only way through the Father, to the Father is through him. We know that our sins can only be forgiven by accepting Jesus. And, it, you know, like I said, if you look at where he came from, he came from the least of places. He didn't come from Rome. He didn't come from any of the powerful cities like Jerusalem or any of those places. He came from the least, and he is the most in our lives. So Jesus will always show that there is only one way to experience victory over sin, and that's him. So Gideon's story kind of mirrors that, and eventually Gideon will become a hero. He will rout the Midianites. He will become a judge. But he came from the least. He felt like he came from the least. I mean, Jesus knew where he came from. You know, he knew that, you know, his, he knew his mission. Gideon didn't. Gideon just was like, who am I, Lord, to do this? And that's, I think, something we ask ourselves all the time. It's who am I, Lord, to do this? We aren't anybody to do this. Neither was Gideon. The Lord is the one who's going to take it. God is going to take it, and he's going to finish it for us. We just have to believe it and try to eliminate that doubt as we move on. So I think I'm a little short today. I apologize. <laughs> but um, I know your kids are probably going to be in Children's Church for a little while longer. So, um, But in the end, you know, God's power is going to fulfill the promise in Matthew of I'm with you always to the end of the age. He's always going to be here for us, no matter what. We just have to accept that and turn to him and say, yes, Lord, I'm here and I'm ready. So, you know, as you go on with this week and you think about, is there anybody you know who might be living in fear right now? Is there anybody that could use some encouragement through the gospel? So the charge this week is, you know, think about it. You know, as you look in the mirror in the morning, maybe you're that person. You know, maybe, you know, things have been a little off for you and you need that encouragement to reach out to somebody and ask for help. Or do you know somebody who needs it? Is there somebody you can reach your hand out to and say, here, I'm here for you and I can help you with God's help? Thank you for listening to the SMCC Sermon Podcast. 
be sure to visit us on the web at smcchurch.net. That's smcchurch.net.